0: you live from an abandoned storage locker somewhere in Mesa, Arizona. You're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham.
1: Attention Alan oh. Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying.
0: And Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Ooh, boom, shuck and lock it.
1: Welcome Important Nonsense Podcast, Steve Bonham, Neil Smith, Jack Kavanaugh, Gentlemen, how are we doing this evening?
0: It's I a beautiful am- Wednesday
1: evening. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. I am fantastic as always. I'm just yes. going to sip my tea and enjoy <laughs> life, you know? <laughs>
1: but that's none of your business right
0: you got to make that a bit now and every time you reach over to get the tea you got to have a bigger glass (laughs) Uh, that's just progressively larger. yeah exactly (laughs) bigger and then bigger than that even that's gonna Uh, have to be the new gag
1: i like it for the for the uh it's not gonna work for the audio listener but uh for the for the video viewers (laughs) fantastic you start out the show like sipping from a shot glass
0: and by the (laughs) end of
1: it you're just drinking from a bucket
0: (laughs) yeah you need something (laughs) two-handed for the final one for sure (laughs) that's the punchline yeah
1: (laughs) the Uh, punchline that's right and and honestly i think it it works too for Friday.
0: punchline on like
1: it's it's a it's a great metaphor for friday for you to get through the show like by the end of it it's (laughs) like yeah i i agree jason you're right
0: that's right just the, the drinks
1: get progressively larger as Tumbler, the show scotch. Goes on. yes uh, we're like, mean to
0: jason in this weird year of 2021 fantasy <laughs> football he's 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 on fire right, i gotta give him a little bit of credit early exactly. we
1: can give him credit but we early also have return. to knock him down a peg just sure. to make sure he doesn't get too high up on that horse
2: <laughs> that man's head cannot get too big we will oh.
0: never hear the end of it it's true exactly it's, true. it's good thing brandon cooks is cooling off
1: right So we are going to talk a little injury recap, we will be joined by Edwin Porras again here in a little bit. But uh, in the meantime, I think Neil, you and I had this discussion uh, yesterday, where we were talking about potential waiver ads, Mm -hmm. what people would be doing with their fab and the wasteland that uh, running back has kind of become at this (sighs) point. Remember um,
2: when this was going to be a running back renaissance? When we had all this young talent,
1: <laughs> we had J.K.
2: Dobbins, and we had Cam Akers, and we had Travis Etienne. Now I remember it. May, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I promise and potential. Yeah, I remember that yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, that happened
1: at one point. Yeah, uh, so there's like
0: five guys left. That's
1: <laughs> so at this point, basically, it came down to the best guys available were. Alex Collins, assuming he's still the guy in Seattle after what we saw last week. Uh, Devonta Booker because of the injury to Saquon. Daryl Williams because of the injury to CEH. And then our guy, Kenny Gainwell, who continues to be under-rostered for some reason, uh, but is the clear-cut pass-catching back in Philadelphia. So if you had to pick your poison of those four, and again, we always work in PPR scoring, that's right. Uh, so, which one of those four are you leaning towards?
0: Well, it would depend. The answer changes slightly depending on if you're if you're evaluating running backs for rest of season. Like you need to add a running back, mm-hmm. or you're discussing I need a band aid to get over the hump for a week or two. Right. So the answer is, if I'm looking for running backs for the season, it's Kenny Gainwell. Kenny Gainwell continues to just destroy what's left of Miles Sanders' career. <laughs> he relegated Boston Scott in two weeks. Yep. Former NFL <laughs> starting running back, Boston Scott, done, two weeks. Uh, he's coming for Miles Sanders now, and nothing about that has changed. I understand he had a bad week last week. I get that. I'm not afraid. The usage is still there, and he continues to see involvement in the red zone. So yep. what I wrote last Friday was he's un- he's still relatively unknown, which is how we're having this waiver conversation about him. The casual Great. fan hasn't got there yet. And he's an excellent stash at this point for the waiver wire. So right now, he's already a flex running back. And to be honest, if he continues to see the increased usage, it could go even higher than that. But that might take a little while, as we've seen. They're still working some stuff out. So if I had to get a Band-Aid, if I need something that I can plug and play and feel good about, then give me Daryl Williams. And the main reason why is because you're pretty much guaranteed three starts with Daryl Williams where he's probably looking at like 60% of the running back job, 65, maybe 70, if you were lucky. And he's really only competing with Jerry McKinnon I, for today. I understand they're evaluating kicking tires on some other running backs. Right. That hasn't happened yet. And I don't know that it's going to happen in before Sunday, for example. Mm-hmm. So, the, and then yeah, Marlon Mack, sure. I know they're making that, they're evaluating that. I don't know if they're going to have the capital. Bottom line for me, I think Daryl Williams is going to be your starting running back in Kansas City for three to four weeks. And it's a nice little band-aid at this point because he's already been there. He knows the offense. He already had a borderline of role, and he's only competing with Jarek McKinnon. Not yep. afraid of any of that. And then, to, so those those are my two answers for you, Steve. Do you have any, do you, is, or does does any of that change for anybody else here? Is anybody super interested in Devonta Booker?
2: I guess because <laughs> I the- was going to say, I will see your Daryl <laughs> Williams and raise you a Devonta Booker. Devonte Booker played about 88% of snaps once Saquon went down. So he is really, truly a bell cow back. You're not going to get the same production as Saquon, but I'm going to take those guaranteed touches over a committee because last year with Le'Veon Bell, In 19 games, Daryl Williams played or saw only two more carries than Bell did in 10 games. It's a a committee, and they don't trust Daryl Williams to be in charge of it. He's going to lose touches to Jarek McKinnon and possibly someone else. Is Darwin Thompson going to come back? No. (laughs) We can dream. Right. You can.
0: Uh, (laughs) But yes, uh,
2: that's why I take Booker. uh, Gainwell long-term, absolutely. We've i think
1: lost. part of the issue from last year with the stats you bring up too is uh daryl williams was dealing with a lot of injuries himself like he wasn't the picture of health which is kind of why they brought in Le'Veon bell to try to make that push and ultimately he took over that number two spot like williams was never really the solidified guy he was always the number two no matter who the number one back was where this year i don't know like with booker two uh, are they going to now work in Gary? Uh, Gary Brightwell? Brightwell. Well,
0: yeah, you beat me to it. Well,
1: I, I mean, I'm he's just a, saying he's
0: a healthy
2: scratch for Elijah Penny, the fullback slash halfback. Like he, <laughs> right. But that's not in a situation
1: a when Saquon Barkley was playing and available. So I understand he took 88% of the snaps last week after Barkley got hurt. But I think that's because nobody else was there.
0: Really. and No one else is there now. <laughs> well, Jack, here's my other thing here. It's like, They all, all three of those guys had roughly the same line. It's just a question of who do you think is most likely to fall into the end zone. And I understand that Devonta Booker fell into the end zone twice, but understand that we've got a huge position here. Both Steve and I, frankly, I think, forgive me if I speak for you, but we're, 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 you and I i think are entrenched on this position, which is the minute Saquon goes down, the giants immediately go in the dumpster. There's a lot of data that backs that up at this point. So my, my, my concern here is that 88% of what efficiency Right. I know what the Chiefs' offense is with Patrick Mahomes still. I don't anymore know what the Giants' offense is with no more Saquon. Because every time we see him play, Daniel Jones try and play without Saquon, defenses totally change what great. they were about to do. They start, they start daring you to, <laughs> to they just take the runaway and start daring you to beat them with, with Daniel Jones hucking it down the field. And now he's in the concussion protocol. So I'm, I'm, and also I have a large sample size on Devonta Booker being terrible i don't also think he's from, uh, good
2: i think he just is locked into those touches and i'll take the bell cow because right. e- even daryl williams yeah like he's gonna he's the pass catcher but that's why we don't like
0: ceh is because he doesn't get dump offs from mahomes no that's it's totally fair I'm, I'm not i'm not i can't i can't refute that i'm just saying neither one is an ideal scenario and if you're gonna stake your claim on Eighty-eight percent of of neither of them go for it. Neither of them are winning you your league. This is my point: is that this Steve referenced the wasteland of running back. It's it's
1: it's all bad,
0: right? That's the wasteland of running back, folks. That's that's why. I mean, you nailed it.
1: Well, speaking of that wasteland, we are joined by Doctor Edwin Porus, DPT. Doctor, how you doing?
0: How's it going, guys?
3: I'm 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 interested to take part in these conversations. These are good (laughs) conversations. So let's (laughs) let's
1: see it. We're debating who's more mediocre that's right, right now. Oh, the, that's uh, a great debate. The, the landscape of of, uh, of running back on the waiver wire it's it's pretty pathetic.
3: I think the idea behind grabbing Booker or grabbing uh, Daryl Williams, <clears throat> you have to understand it's more of a band-aid for now. Yep. It's not gonna it's not gonna save your league. It's not gonna save you in your league your own five. It's not gonna propel you into the top five if you're in the top you know the bottom seven. They're just, they're meh plays. I think that they'll give Booker a lot of the work. I think Booker is a very below average back, <clears throat> but they don't have, you alluded to it earlier. They don't have much else. I mean, Gary Brightwell, right. I'm not sure. Um, then the flip side is with the Chiefs. Even before the CEH injury, the Chiefs were starting to split carries a lot more and split snaps, at least a lot more uh, between between CEH and, and Daryl Williams. So you never really know what you're going to get. Uh, when you, 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 I guess you sort of know what you're going to get. So you can either get right. a, a below average running back in a high powered offense who doesn't get checked downs or a below average back in a bad offense who might not have Daniel Jones, uh, and is just terrible. So <laughs> you really have, <laughs> you guys are, you guys hit the nail on the head. I mean, yeah. you're, you're. This is not like you shouldn't go and blow like 80% of your fab or whatever yeah. on either of these guys. I've already I mean, watched
0: people doing it all day today. Yeah. People drop and, it. and when
1: Neil and I talked about it um, last night when we were prepping for the <laughs> show, like my whole argument was to me, they're all basically the same amount of meh. And just I'll take Williams because in a coin flip scenario, give me the player on the best offense. And sure. That's, that's totally what? good. Yeah. The one
2: last thing I would like to add, going back, circling back around Mm -hmm. to Kenny Gainwell. We saw when Miles Sanders was a rookie, it took about seven weeks for them to really start trusting him. It's not quite that far along. Kenny Gainwell has so much ceiling to grow into. Yes. As my friend, Macho Man Randy Savage likes to say, (laughs) the
3: cream always rises to the top. That's what we thought about Miles
1: Sanders, though, right? Yeah. Uh, like, the Miles <laughs> Sanders situation, uh so I, infuriating. I just, was just a fan. get him out of the game when he refuses to just fall down. Just, just <laughs> let the clock run out. What are you doing? Stop running out of bounds. All you had to do, you win the game if you just fall down two yards ahead of the line of scrimmage. And yep. then they bring in Gainwell, and guess what? He falls down and doesn't go out of bounds. Shocker. Ugh. So infuriating. If only there was
0: a website that spent years <laughs> telling people that Miles Sanders wasn't worth the ADP. Literal <laughs> years. If only
1: such a place existed. Oh. I guess, I guess oh. we can dream. Dare to dream. Uh. Uh, so let's talk about some of these crazy injuries that have happened this week uh, now that we've got Edwin here. So let's start with all the way back to Thursday, which feels like forever ago now in football years. Uh, you got Russell Wilson was knocked out of that game with the disgusting looking finger injury. Uh, ends up having the surgery on Friday in the middle of Jack's show. Uh, so they talked about that very briefly, but I've seen a couple different timelines now about when he could be back. I've seen like six to eight weeks. They were saying maybe he could come back sooner than that. What are you thinking with his, his recovery and when Russell will. Be back? So traditionally what you see, first of all, the injury
3: is uh, what they call mallet finger, essentially the tendon on the back of the finger in the middle that it works to extend. If you were to flip somebody the bird, I won't do it. Right. But that <laughs> that tendon that keeps the finger upright. Edwin from last time. This is a reminder. This is a live show. Of course. Yes. Of course,
2: yes. This is a live show. And, and a family friendly. Family friendly. Family friendly. <laughs> yeah.
3: uh-huh. right. Family friendly. Um, that tendon is is ruptured. So essentially, when he goes to grip a ball, he can't ungrip the ball with that middle finger, which is obviously a problem when you're trying to throw a football. The right. Seahawks put him under immediately. Because they are they worry for his long term health there. You can definitely splint this. You can immobilize it and you can let it heal on its own. Uh, It gets a little bit more tricky because then you can get skin breakdown from the splint constantly being there, et cetera. So a lot of times it's just easier to go in there, pin it uh, surgically. And that way you don't have to worry about, you know, take put running, wrapping up splints every hour, you know, letting the letting air out, et cetera. The Moral of the story is since they went ahead and did this immediately, they're concerned for his long-term health because there's some data supporting the fact that if you don't pin these or immobilize these immediately, you can have downstream negative effects in the future. So basically it'll never heal correctly. So since they're already on the so train, we're not just talking
1: let's... about this season, you're talking no, right, about like his for career. his career,
3: exactly okay. his career. So since they're already in the boat of let's take care of him long-term, I c- it's, it's going to be very difficult for him to clear at four weeks, which is what I know some of the doctors came out and said, oh, we think he can be ready by four weeks. I think it's possible. I don't think it's, I don't think it's likely, right. um, th- these injuries, there's a ton of data backing the fact that you need to immobilize them for at least six to eight weeks. Russell Wilson and professional athletes are no different. Uh, there you, there's no such thing as increasing tissue healing times. You can't change what's going on inside. Uh, physiologically that tendon needs to regain, uh, its structural integrity. It needs to regain, um, all of the, all the fibers that are holding it together and there, it just takes time. So it would be really difficult. I, it would be really difficult for him to come back at the four week mark. Okay. Although I know that they're saying that he's going to try, I'm sure they'll reassess him at four weeks, right. but I yeah, don't, I personally I, don't see it happening.
2: I, some people are saying, cause he's going to get the pin in there. He's going to try and play through the pin. That sounds like, how would
3: that work? He can. Um, and again, it comes down to what are the residual effects of that? Yeah. If he can hmm. play, um, then he's probably going to play, but they went in and the surgeon specifically said they, I think he also had some sort of fracture to the finger. So there's a lot more going on than just that. And so for him to be ready to roll and throw in passes at four weeks, again, it's possible, but I, I don't think it's the most likely uh, scenario here.
1: And so so Edwin, again, when they're thinking long-term, probably not the smartest thing to do either. Uh,
0: yeah. Exactly. Yes. But Edwin, so I was reading that like the day after the surgery on Saturday, they said that this is from the surgeon. That when they opened him up, they realized that it was more severe than they had initially right? You know, thought about. And then they actually had to put screws in to stabilize it. So help me understand. because So he's got a pin and, and two <laughs> screws is what it, it was, sounds like in there. So I'm not
3: familiar with the exact procedure that they underwent. But what they needed, the goals of the surgery <clears throat> were to stabilize the fracture mm-hmm. and to stabilize that tendon. So okay. they could have either done it with any combination of pins, screws, whatever. They might have used both. Um I think he had a fracture of the the middle or the the closer joint the the joint closer to the hand to whereas the tendon rupture was on the joint further away from the hand. So there are two different things that might have been going on there. Um moral the story I mean I think 4 weeks again is plausible but I wouldn't necessarily bank on it unless you're super desperate. Unless you're like tr- if you're trading for like Russell Wilson it's probably because you're, you know, one and four, oh and five or something like that. Like you're probably pretty desperate. That would be really the only the
0: only reason I would do that. No, and even then you're gonna miss another four weeks minimum. And then are you uh are you worried that if he does try to play through it that, that he ghost. just will <laughs> exact? <Hey, Zach. laughs> so uh are you worried that if he does try to play through it, that effectively, especially those first few weeks, I mean, is he just gonna be way less accurate than normal or I think we'll see it pretty immediately.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think we'll see it pretty immediately if he tries to play through at four weeks and you know, he, he air sales one or, you know, one, one, uh, he skips one or something like you're going to, you're, we're going to know pretty immediately. But the thing is, I think that if I had to guess, I don't have a crystal ball. Everybody's going to get super excited. Um, the Seahawks are going to, there's going to be some report from somebody saying the Seahawks had him throwing. Um, everybody's going to think he's going to be activated and then he's not. And they're going to keep him on the R for another two or three weeks. Like, I think that's if I had to, like, predict what was going to happen, that's what's going to happen. Because, you know, he's going to try to throw it four weeks. Right. There's just no
1: his. There's no way his strength can be back by four weeks. So okay. ba- so basically, with almost any other position, you could have splinted this and he could have played through it. But because it's his throwing hand and he's a quarterback. Even if it and- was his left hand, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense.
2: So one final question that I have about the, this whole situation. Gino Smith, he's the mm-hmm. backup now. Uh, Gino Smith, no, he's we've... the starter now. He oh, was Sorry, sorry, he was the backup. He's a starter now. <laughs> uh, we've seen in New York, they ruined Sam Darnold. That's obvious. It kind of <laughs> looks like they're starting to ruin Zach Wilson. Is it possible mm-hmm. that they ruined
1: Gino Smith and he's actually good? I mean, maybe
0: you're talking about the Jets' incompetence, Jack. And within mm-hmm. that sphere, all things are possible. Is <laughs> uh, it possible Sanchez was actually good too?
1: Well, I don't know. He actually took them to like an AFC game. I know, game, so.
0: and then the everybody just remembers the butt fumble, but he did actually <laughs> take them to. Uh,
1: Never forget. Uh, I, it. I, I don't know. We talked about this a little bit on the Friday show where. Over his career, again, it was forever ago at this point, but Geno Smith's average depth of target is seven yards, so he does not chuck the ball down the field. We saw that he really loved throwing the ball to DK Metcalf because why wouldn't you? I'm fine with that. Yeah, Yeah, go ahead and do that. So I'm, I'm still great with DK Metcalf, and if Whoever is managing DK Metcalf in your league is panicking and wants to unload him for a song then yes I will absolutely still be willing to invest in that. It's Tyler Lockett that I'm slightly concerned about because Geno Smith has never had the big arm. Would you guys agree that Tyler Lockett would be the one to be concerned about or
0: you I'm concerned so about Tyler Lockett when he has Russell Wilson throwing <laughs> the ball. So any kind of downgrade, <laughs> yeah, it gives me a little pause, especially when you got a guy with 7 yards averaged at the target. And, you know, Lockett's a guy who makes his head down the field primarily. So a little
3: not not ideal. I think that offense as a whole is needs, you know, and we need to to temper expectations. I think they just got a lot worse. Right.
1: (laughs) Well, um, and speaking of Seattle, too, we got word last week with Chris Carson and a recurring neck injury that seemingly came out of nowhere. And I'm hearing recurring neck injury. And for a guy that's just constantly running into walls on the defensive line, I feel like that would be a very bad thing. So what's, what's up with Chris Carson right now?
3: Yeah. So the Chris Carson thing didn't come out of nowhere. Um, If you were looking at the injury reports, like I was in week Mm -hmm. one, which nobody else is looking at the injury reports. (laughs) He was having all these veteran rest days, right. And like veteran he's, he was missing practices and, and all this. So, dnps and what it ended up amounting to is what it sounds like is he's just got an arthritic neck and it's exactly what it sounds like it's when the space between your uh the space between your vertebrae and your spinal cord essentially start to uh sort of close down and the space between each vertebrae itself starts to close down it's totally normal when you play a contact sport for a living the best comparison and this is a comparison of the of the condition not necessarily of the career arc is todd Gurley's knee what happened in Todd Gurley's knee? Oh, no. It sounds like I can't confirm, <laughs> but it sounds like it's happening in Chris Carson's neck. Not great, right? Uh, right. Not, so, ideal. This not, is,
0: not an ideal situation. This is the
3: time. This is the time that uh, you unload Chris Carson. This is the mm-hmm. time in Dynasty when you you get rid of him for what you can. As sure. soon as he has his next big game, you gotta let him go. Um, this is this this is just like the classic. This is the beginning of, of, of the end. I hate to say it. I hope Mm -hmm. I'm wrong. I hope he comes back and can continue to play. Um, but anytime you get arthritis in your neck, that's a, that's a really dangerous
1: game for a running back. I think that would be a dangerous game for him. I was
0: going to say that's what kind of quality of life. Like that's just, that's going to be bad all around, no matter what your job is. Right. And and it's,
3: and the thing is for running back specifically, he's going to be taking a lot of hits. Right. So like now stingers are, are potentially in his future. Um, It's just not, it's not ideal. Again, I hope the hope as a PT is that he can overcome it. He sort of gets over it. They rest him. It feels better. But I mean, it's not, it's not going away. Like it's not going to go away at this point. This isn't, this isn't like you sprain your ankle and, and, and you give it a couple weeks and it's better. This is just what
1: he's going to be dealing with now. It is what it is. Recurring.
0: Oh, well, Well, that is not great news. Deeply unfortunate.
1: All right. That, all right. Let's let's move on. Let's see if you've got some better news for us. Uh, we've got both Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon are kind of dealing with lingering issues themselves. Uh, Joe Mixon was actually able to play this past week and did all right. But he was on a little bit of a, a snap count. Uh, Dalvin Cook did sit out. That's the one that concerns me a little bit more, especially with their bye week coming up. Mm-hmm. So starting with Mixon. The thing with
3: high ankle sprains, and I said this before the before kick is that he was highly volatile. Mm-hmm. And usually what I mean by that is when a player and I, I view them as highly volatile, like they could they could do anything from sit that week. They could play 28 percent of the snaps and fall into the end zone like Mixon did, or they can be totally ineffective like Dalvin Cook was in week four. And so so what you essentially saw with both of those dudes is Mixon, they both they, they both ended up on different parts of the spectrum. Yep. So Mixon played 28 percent of the snaps. That's nowhere near his ceiling, right? And Dalvin Cook wasn't active at all. Um, Those are the, when you're dealing with high ankle sprains and recoveries from high ankle sprains, those are the types of things that you just have to deal with. Essentially, what you have with Joe Mixon, fortunately, it sounds like he came out on the other end. He's practicing again now. We know that when Dalvin Cook tried to play through his in week four, turn around, or week, whatever it was, week three, um, he didn't, he finished the game and then didn't practice, right? So at least Mixon's practicing today. I think Cook practiced today as well. But what you alluded to in terms of Dalvin Cook is, I mean, he did try to come back. He was clearly limited. He clearly wasn't ready. And the Vikings have a bye week coming up in week seven. So to me, viewing this as an outsider, clinically, it would make sense for him to just sit in week seven. You know, we know it doesn't always work out that way. But Mm. it's something that uh, the flip side of that is he already tried to come back early once. And Mike Zimmer has a history. I actually went through and looked at from 2016 and on how many times that players won't practice and he'll, and will play anyway. And he Zimmer's players were around 50, a 50% mark. Whereas I think the league average is like 30, like 33%. And, but Zimmer's like super aggressive when these dudes are coming off injury and kind of doesn't care. And so you saw that in 2019 with Adam Thielen, Adam Thielen shouldn't have came back one week after that hamstring strain. And then he was out for like six weeks after that. So the, those are the things you worry about with Dalvin cook. So, I mean, there's really no solution to it. And that's just, we're sort of like just, discussing it now but i mean the goal hopefully you have alexander madison i was touting alexander madison all offseason <laughs> about the highest this isn't why i thought like i didn't uh-huh. think that delvin Cook would have a high ankle sprain or anything but you i was just saying the that shoulder he, weren't you yeah as the shoulder um but yeah hopefully you have alexander madison on a couple teams like i do
1: yeah yeah that, that's worked out so far so what you're saying is basically this is the one spot in his coaching tree that uh, Mike Zimmer's actually aggressive so it's good to know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Hey, did
2: you see that shove of Kirk Cousins? He's very aggressive. How weird.
1: Yeah, he's extremely aggressive is, with how he handles his player's health.
0: Is, is there uh, another uh, quarterback
3: yeah. who's more socially unaware than Kirk Cousins? <laughs>
0: Ooh, cam uh, that's a, out of the league so yeah i don't
1: know that's a great question uh, i would have given was, it to cam i would have to do way more research cam
0: i think cam is unaware in the
3: sense that like cam is so <laughs> he's got such a big ego <laughs> that like like remember how you know the times when and he was in new england and he was like i need to look in the mirror and i need to, like this starts with me and like he was taking accountability Like i think that part of that is cam newton just for his entire life living in this world because it was for a long time like living mm-hmm. in the world like that was true like when cam newton put you on his shoulders and took you places it was mm-hmm. because it was by his will but once yep. he got on layers the latter stages i don't think he realized that it's not quite that way anymore buddy <laughs> no
2: yeah
1: cam newton has always kind of lived in his own world so i don't know if he's just yeah. he's wasn't, unaware so much as it is his reality isn't right ours. <laughs> stretching with the
2: panthers like he just he he would be rubbing people's shoulders while the rest of the team's stretching
0: <laughs> you didn't have to know that anything else was going on other than just the hat choices for the press conference oh i that should have been the that should have been the first I'm cam, giveaway i'm a cam newton fan i yeah just, me too
2: i still I, I like cam newton i miss cam i wish he was still in the league but he, he he's just he he lives in a fantasy world and good for him i win. i Jenner. what do
0: we yeah, true. <laughs> yeah exactly look at what we're doing I, right. look at what we're doing right now right
2: yeah that's guy a fair point mustache bow ties and right. pit vipers lives. yeah Jack, totally if you ever grounded want, in reality if
1: you ever yep. want to give up those pit vipers just go with a full cam newton route just a different ridiculous <laughs> outfit every single show I'm, I'm here for it who are I, we
0: thinking a hat yeah I, like a, the big that, feather yes. Yeah, like with a huge feather coming out the back Uh, before we move off this topic, because we've already very much started to Mm -hmm. uh, Edwin. Do you think Joe Mixon will be on a pitch count again for the points festival against Detroit? I think
3: he I think there's a chance he will be the the flip side of that is Samaj P. on the COVID list now.
0: That's part of why I'm asking the question.
3: It's really difficult for It's going to be really difficult for him to clear that protocol. Um, by the time sunday rolls around so i think that this we're going to find out nixon is once again highly volatile mm-hmm. he's either going to get his full workload and he's going to do fine with it or he's going to get his full workload and aggravate the ankle and we're going to find out immediately too okay. so like he's not a guy i'm on in dfs he's not a guy i'm excited to start in season long you just have to wait for this to sort of go away. And okay. and I, I don't know. Well, again, I don't have a crystal ball, so it's hard yep. to say, but I can tell you like the level of volatility on Mixon is really high again this week. And depending
2: on... Okay.
1: Um- what Not excited about uh, the full workload for Chris Evans. I was just
0: going to say we have to talk about Chris Evans. <laughs> <laughs> Wide receiver converted
1: to running back, Chris Evans.
3: Doesn't the doesn't Chris Evans sound like just your friend, like your neighborhood friend who started a podcast and called it the Chris Evans Podcast? <laughs> yes, that sort of doesn't he's, sort of seem
2: yes. like that. he's Captain America.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, uh, Saquon Barkley, he is definitely going to be out this week, even though he's only listed as doubtful because come on they're not that dumb. I would hope, <laughs> right? You would
3: think. I think the Giants are a little sharper than we than I've given them credit for anyway. Um exactly. but yeah, he he is out. I think the freak out on Twitter was par for the course that freak outs tend to happen. Yeah. You see the swelling on the sideline and you freak out. Um the it doesn't sound like there's any fractures. It sounds like the guy has an ankle sprain. It sounds like he rolled his ankle. We've all done it at one point. I literally did it walking through my kitchen last night when I was barefoot. That's the difference between Saquon Saquon Barkley and I. Um, (laughs) You're built different. I'm built different, literally, (laughs) in in the worst possible way. So so he's got this ankle swelling. The average return to sport time for these ankles is six and a half days. So if you round up, obviously that's seven days. Mm -hmm. You also look at the data that shows that between 83 and 89% of all ankle sprains take less than, fewer than, four weeks to recover from and return to sport. Um, So basically we're checking the boxes. If we look at this from a logistic, like logical standpoint, we know there's no fracture check. We know that the average return to sport time for these that are typically less than three weeks check. We know that, that the giants are going to take it slow. So that's sort of a, a point against him. Check now worst case scenario, like worst case, like the giants are just like, screw it we won one game. There's no point in bringing him back quickly. All right. They'll sit him three weeks. Then you get the bye week and then you bring him back after that. I think that's like the worst case scenario, but I don't necessarily anticipate that happening up until tonight. He hasn't been put on the IR, which is great. Um, he didn't practice, but you didn't necessarily expect that. I actually think this is, if this is longer than two weeks, then I will buy everybody on this podcast a beer virtually. I will send you. Demo. Right. I will memo right. you for a beer if this is longer than two. Perfect. Weeks. Love Aha, it. Deal.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say twist uh, my arm. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So all
1: right, that that's good. So Saquon Barkley, okay. two weeks you would say is the is max. The safe I think the max the
0: realistic timeline. Realistic
1: right. timeline is max maximum two weeks. Okay. So, so he was getting he ramped up. The first couple of weeks, are we worried yeah, about that slowing him down now, taking the couple weeks off?
3: No, I think even the Giants realized this was a freak accident. I mean, the defender's foot was there. Um, I don't know if any of you ever played basketball, but it was basically akin to when you uh, come down from a rebound and you land on another dude's foot. Mm-hmm. Like, that's yep. essentially what happened to Saquon Barkley. Like, I don't I did, think anybody, I, I don't, I don't think anybody was saying like, oh, this is because of the ACL, which it's not. I don't think anybody was saying is saying now Saquon Barkley's injury prone. Like nobody's saying that necessarily, but just to emphasize it, this has nothing to do with the ACL. Um, I think that they were, they were starting to ramp him up, obviously. Um, So that sucks, but I think that he'll come back and he'll assume his his full workload pretty quickly.
1: All right. Uh, So let's move on then. CEH, we talked about a little bit. He goes on IR, so he's going to miss at least three games. Do you think it lasts much longer than that?
3: no i think three games it depends on when i'm really bad at the bye weeks too i need to look at one of the chiefs bye week is. Uh,
1: 12 is their okay. bye week.
3: i think three weeks is solid the average return of sport time for these is about 23 oh. days so about three weeks i think he he he'll miss those three games and then he'll be back by the fourth week um at worst it'll be a four-week absence but i don't necessarily see it happening that way uh this was a good example of why when you watch an injury on and and you and you notice you know teammates carrying off and he's punching the the treatment table like athletes are drama queens like (laughs) athletes are some of the most dramatic like like my like i get these like 68 year old uh females who come in and they'll they'll they'll, like have had a fall and they're like well i fell and then they like fractured their ankle and they're like well i just waited until my daughter came like two days later and but you see these athletes like punching the table, like these young, fit individuals, right? Like they're they're drama queens. Sometimes they don't know how to handle these, you know, these injuries like they, they really freak out, which is fine. I understand. But that's what I'm trying to say is this was just a run of the mill MCL sprain. Um, Nick Chubb is the perfect uh, comparison from 2020 with one of these uh, Jarvis Landry is another guy who actually need to check if he's been activated yet. Cause he can come back to Do it school. quick.
0: Cause we're getting there it's on the show sheet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So I
3: don't see him on the injury report yet. So we'll see. He's, I don't know about Jarvis Landry yet.
2: So he is in the 21 day return to practice. And because he hasn't been activated yet, they actually don't have to give us updates on the injury report until he's officially activated. So it's all going to be what the reporters say. We'll have no team information. Cause <laughs> it's all secretive in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're right. This information never gets out otherwise.
0: Yeah. 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 It says that he's day to day, essentially. Mm-hmm. Fun. Oh, that's so vague as to be completely unhelpful. That's fantastic. Yeah. Be like the Colts and just say, T.Y. Hilton's coming back to practice this week, baby. Right.
2: Fired up. Like, I like that exactly. kind of recording. Do that. Thanks, Kevin Stefanski. Right. <laughs> that's none of my business, though.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so then, do any of these teams now uh most likely the Chiefs I would think because they're the ones that probably have the most to play for but do any of them now become bidders on Marlon Mack as we approach the trade deadline he's said that he's looking for a trade and wants out the Colts said they're willing to give him that he's clearly not going to get the touches behind Jonathan Taylor despite what happened very briefly on Monday so do any of these teams have interest in Marlon Mack and if they do are you interested in Marlon Mack
3: I'm personally not um I think that Marlon Mack coming off the Achilles is a great story. Mm -hmm. I just don't see it happening. Um, I can see him flaming out, even if he does get half of what a normal workload would be. So I just don't think it's, I mean, I'm willing to let that go by the wayside. I'm willing to let Marlon Mack go by the wayside.
1: Neil, how about you?
0: The, the only team that I've seen publicly linked to actually having talks was the Chiefs, and if they were to bring him on to the Chiefs, I would really have no interest in him, and really no interest in any Ceh replacement at that point because it would get too crowded. So at that point, you're going to have major problems. So, all the nice things I said about Daryl Williams at the start of the show—if they sign Marlon Mack, you can go ahead and just go get a time machine and pick up Devonta Booker. Sure.
2: My only thoughts on Marlon Mack is he averaged over six yards a carry this past week.
1: On Monday, yeah.
2: That looked pretty healthy coming off the Achilles tear. Probably a good sign for Cam Akers,
3: Edwin. I knew you were going to take it there. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that's where you were going with this. Kevin Durant
2: came back from an Achilles and had had the (laughs) best career. Listen, I've said it before,
3: and I don't know if it was on the show. Whatever you thought Cam Akers could be at his ceiling, you gotta you gotta shave 10 to 15% off of that. The data and all of physiology that we know about Achilles tendon ruptures, even in high performing, you know, elite level athletes, does not allow us to say boom, he's gonna come back and be fine. So whatever you anticipate him being, make it 85 to 90 percent of that. And I think that's a safe bet.
2: So you're saying there's a chance, Jim Carrey <laughs> meme. Yes, yeah, something like that. That's all Pretty I need. Much.
0: That's all I need. All right. So... Well, well, it's
2: because I already have him rostered everywhere, so I'm not trading for <laughs> it.
0: Oh, that's fair. That's, that's He's fair. on my IR no, so, spot. So, this is a person. I really don't have any choice. Yeah. It's yeah. just a personal uh-huh. question. Yeah. Okay, okay. Good to know. Good to know. That's why we're going to talk about Jarvis Landry later, Jack. Don't feel too bad. I did the same thing. Right. <laughs> exactly.
1: Uh, so the only other running back we have on the list is Damian Harris. He played for basically that entire game on Sunday, but he took the hit in the chest. They said now he's having the rib injury. They took him out at the very end because they said he was having trouble breathing. But at this point it seems like it's just like a pain tolerance issue, right? Or is there any more reason for concern here?
3: Well, and you never know with new England because they're always playing it so close to the chest. Um, and then you also saw that, um, wasn't it Rob Gronkowski and I don't I should probably check this before I say it one of the players that recently had ribs injury also had a collapsed lung i think it was rob gronkowski so oh, that's very uh, that's very common mm-hmm. at the very least rob gronkowski had fractured ribs yeah but that but much yes i could, i do remember that it's not uncommon for you to get a ribs injury and then also uh, have a lung collapse now when you look at Damien damian harris he didn't practice today it doesn't necessarily mean that he's not going to go on the IR, but okay. if he was having trouble breathing, that's what I would be. That's what I would be concerned with. The mode for the amount of games missed after a ribs injury, so the most frequently missed amount of games is one. So when you're a running back specifically, we saw that with Daryl Henderson. When you're a running back specifically, it's going to be really hard for you to take on contact. So I wouldn't necessarily plan on Damian Harris being active this week.
1: Okay. That makes sense. So it backup plan, then are you guys interested in anybody in the New England backfield if Damian Harris is out?
2: It would have to be Ramondre Stevenson replacing him in the grinder role. Mm -hmm. Brandon Bolden is replacing James White as the pass catcher, but that's nothing to write home about. So if you're shooting for upside, it's Ramondre Stevenson. But he's been running so timid ever since he was fumbled and or fumbled and then benched for two games. It's, it's tough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm personally steering clear of it. There's, the there's short a short answer. No. Yeah. yeah short I, answer.
0: No. Yeah.
1: Uh So a couple of questions here about wide receivers, Juju Smith Schuster. There's not a ton of analysis from a redraft perspective because he had the sold the shoulder surgery he's done for the year. Um So Again, it, it sucks that we're going to miss out on him this season, and he's still only 25. So it's he's got plenty of career left, right? theoretically, but are we concerned about this injury lingering for him long term, and does it affect his dynasty value yeah. for you at all?
3: Yeah, I don't necessarily anticipate it. Um, it's kind of a freak injury. Mm-hmm. He dislocated his shoulder, and they couldn't put it back in. That's right. not very common in shoulder injuries. So that what they went in is they repaired the labrum, they tightened it down. He's going to be rehabbing for the next four to six months. He'll be ready for the 2022 season. Um, in terms of where he'll be though, is a good question.
0: Duval! Yeah, yeah,
3: well, there's, <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of places he could go, but in terms of his dynasty stock, I don't necessarily think it like impl- this injury implicitly changes his value per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that where he's going and
0: where he'll end up is a lot more is, is more pertinent.
1: We'll have more impact on it than specifically.
0: Well, year. that's good because it was a gruesome hit yeah. and uh, you knew immediately that he broke his arm. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. So uh,
1: so but it's good to know that he'll be back for next season because the, yep. the one that immediately springs to mind for obvious reasons, Neil, for us is uh, Alan Robinson. You know, coming off the season ending injury in Jacksonville and then immediately going into free agency, a ton of question marks. So, you know, a lot of people felt like he'd be able to get more money than he did from Chicago, but he became the number one in Chicago. And And
2: that's that's why Sammy Watkins got paid more than him in that free agent class. (laughs) Yep, exactly.
1: So we'll see what happens with Juju next offseason. But with him now out of the picture, the three headed monster becomes a two headed monster. So, are we any more confident now in Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool?
0: I'll go first. I'd say you have to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, just obviously they'll both see increased attention and increased coverage, but the the that's not going to offset the increase in in targets. So, Mm -hmm. I'd be I'd be I think it'll stabilize Chase Claypool effectively yeah. is what it'll do. Cause Deontay is Deontay. You were going to start that anyway. You might get a, a few extra targets, but it should stabilize chase Claypool out. So those are the two I'd be interested in. I'm not going to suddenly predict that Eric Ebron is suddenly going to get more involved <laughs> or that, or that Pat Fryermuth is suddenly going to advance Ascent, a year and a half yeah. into his career. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's a Pat Fryermuth is a next year conversation, not a this year conversation. So really you're down to the two guys. And then that's really, that's really all I want. I'm not interested in James Washington. I've seen that yeah. before.
2: Yep. I th- I think it raises Najee Harris's floor a little bit because Juju he was thriving on those little crossers, those little checkdowns. Yeah. Najee Harris like it doesn't make his ceiling any higher but it makes that target floor just a little bit juicier cuz Ben loves throwing the short passes cuz he can't throw the long passes. Ben <laughs> do much of anything
1: these <laughs> days.
0: That
1: yeah, that's that's the real question. I I do think it's as, as ridiculous as it sounds I think it does kind of bring drop to miss prime back into the weekly rotation uh question uh at tight end like can he actually catch a touchdown and be used over the middle in that juju void in the middle of the field but other than that no I'm, I'm not like I, I agree with Neil I think that Chase Claypool this kind of solidifies his target share where he's competing with less people but uh, that, that's about it. And Deontay Johnson was who he was. He's going to continue to get that role and be a PPR monster. Uh, what about AJ Brown? And when he was dealing with the snap count last week, do we think he's going to be closer to or back to 100% this week, or will that continue?
3: Yeah, I think that he got through the first game, which is always a good sign mm-hmm. uh, When with these hamstring injuries specifically. I think they took their time with his rehab, which is always really smart. <clears throat> but I do think that um, he does carry a little bit of more volatility. And I wonder if this is more of a long-term knee issue that he's still battling than a mm-hmm. hamstring thing. Yeah, Uh, I've mentioned on Twitter before that I really honestly don't know what to make of the two knee surgeries he he had and is continuing to be rested for before this hamstring strain on the practice report. Like he's DMP LP all the time. And I mean, the dude's like, what, 24, 25? There's no there's no reason for him at that age to be taking so many DNPs because of a knee issue that was ostensibly corrected through surgery, Mm -hmm. you know, in the offseason. So it's just a really weird situation with A.J. Brown, like like in dynasties splitting hairs i would i would take prop he's probably at the bottom of any tier um of wide receiver whoever you believe is in the same tier as aj brown from a dynasty perspective i would put him at the bottom of that tier and take any other guy before him just because this is just a weird situation yeah
2: yeah i was talking to a friend and so he, ha- he ha- did his meniscus in when he played university football and he would do the same thing he'd take a couple days off during the week before he got surgery and then he gets surgery and it doesn't bother him anymore so we're like it if that is the case with AJ Brown, it's weird that he's still like missing a lot of practice even before the hamstring. So it's just, you think it's just like the entire lower chain is just kind of, we're not sure at at this point.
3: Yeah. I think specifically the knee joints is what I'm concerned about because those can flame out really quickly and you can get Todd Gurley syndrome as an NFL player I mean, pretty quickly. And I don't know if that's what's going on with him, but if he's had surgeries on both of them, that surgery for a fact increases your risk for getting arthritis in your knees. And some people are really unlucky. Todd Gurley was really unlucky that it right. hit him so early. Um, and I'm not saying that's happening with AJ Brown, but I'm saying like it could. At this point, it could. And at this point, it doesn't seem like the issues have gone away. So you really have to like, you know, bump him down a little bit because of that. Todd Gurley is almost a cursed word at this point. <laughs> Man, he he burned, he burned fast and hot.
1: Yeah. Burned a lot of people too. Yeah. Heavily invested in Todd Gurley. And and that's the thing with AJ Brown. Like he's had the talent, and you like you said it, he's a young guy. You would think that if something was actually wrong with him, that maybe they would want to shut him down and try to preserve him for the long term. Like, what are the Titans playing for right now? I don't their season is going downhill fast. And that's exactly the way that Derrick Henry is running downhill fast. But still, it's I I don't know why you're going to push him and try to rush him through right now through the three games that he actually like started and finished. He finished PPR wide receiver, 33, 60 and 64. So AJ Brown, high candidate right now to be one of the bigger busts this season.
0: Yeah, yeah, especially who, in Dynasty, given the expectations where he mm-hmm. was like the number one dynasty yeah. wide receiver. Him and
1: Calvin player.
3: Ridley have just tanked my one of my dynasty teams.
1: Yeah. I was supposed to be so good. Uh, that looked
3: Expect- so sexy
1: in the preseason. And expectations the right were so high. Uh, not.
0: Who well, you, thought- and I, you and I have something in common then, because I have the exact <laughs> same problem on a dynasty
2: <laughs> Who would have thought that Hollywood would end up being the better of the Browns <laughs> this this season? <laughs> this season's not <laughs> over. I it's was not one, over.
1: I was a year early on. It on was Hollywood. Antonio all along.
2: <laughs> ah, well, Marquise and block. Antonio are cousins. Maybe Hollywood working out with his cousin in the offseason. Maybe Always. he's developed as a pro.
1: Hopefully we'll just I as a pro. We'll see. He gets the real test now. Now that the, the alpha is back. That's right. <laughs> it's Bateman season. Bateman That's season. right. Yeah. Uh, so this is an interesting one. Curtis Samuel. He's had this groin injury that just will not go away. It has been bothering him all year, and it's starting to feel like we're not going to get a chance to see Curtis Samuel in this offense this season.
3: No, I don't know what's going on with that, man. I, he, this is an injury that's failed twice at this point. Yeah. So he tried coming back. Well, it initially happened in June. Then he tried coming back, so had a setback, came back again, has having a setback. The dude just can't get healthy, and I and to be one hundred percent honest, there are all, there are a lot of factors that go into the decision for should a player have surgery, or should they not? I don't know what the, the images look like. I don't know what clinically what he's presenting like. I'm just surprised that they still to this day haven't just t- told him to to take the surgery, take eight weeks, come back, it'll be fine. Um, but they haven't done that. So until then, you can expect the same cycle. He's going to try to come back. He'll probably he'll probably if 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 he tries to come back again without surgery, have another failure at this point, we've seen enough and I've seen enough from Curtis Samuel that I just I, I, anywhere I have him, I'm just dropping him like I just don't think it's worth the headache. I don't think it's worth the roster spot at this point, unfortunately, and I, I just hope he gets healthy.
1: Yeah, because really, what's the best case scenario? At the, is it the surgery at this point that he has the surgery and gets 100% because if he yeah, tries I mean, to play through it still, I feel like he's just going to make it worse.
3: Yeah, I think that, I think the best case scenario, he has a surgery. It's a successful surgery. It's a great surgery. Mm-hmm. He takes eight weeks and he comes back in what, what is that, like week 15, 16, something like that. Yep. And maybe the, maybe the football team, I don't even know what their record is football team is right now. Um,
1: not great.
2: Not great.
3: I don't know. I don't even know if they'll be in contention for the division at that no, point. So see, they are two and
1: three. Yeah. They, yeah and so they so beat the Game Falcons
2: Hunter. and the Giants are the two. Teams right. That they beat. Yeah.
3: So and they I mean, fought yeah. hard in that Falcon game. That
2: was yeah,
1: not they're playing Kansas city this week.
3: Like they're going to take at least, at least if they're going to do conservative rehab again, this time they're, they're going to take at least four weeks, four or five weeks to get them right. So this is just, a, this is just a nightmare headache scenario, unfortunately for, for Curtis Samuel.
1: Um, And then, all right, we talked about a little bit before, so we're going to go back to a couple of guys that we talked to you about. Uh, the last time you were here with us. So Jarvis Landry, we talked about a little bit, and then Jerry Judy, two guys they were on IR that should be eligible or close to eligible to coming back. How close are we to seeing those guys?
3: Yeah, so specifically with Jarvis Landry, I did just read um, this article that essentially made it sound like he's not going to be ready. I'm a little surprised by that, but I do think that week seven is, is much more likely. These injuries do have the 23-day average, but obviously they you know, they vary a little bit. So um, Jarvis Landry, I would expect him to to be back at the latest week eight, um, if not week seven. Uh, He could come back week six, but since he wasn't activated today, you know, doesn't seem necessarily likely. Um, And then you think about Jerry Judy, who is coming off the high ankle and they have a game in week six and then turn around week seven and have a Thursday night game, I believe. Right. I think it's week seven Thursday night football. Double check that, which would mean if he's ready in week seven, then he'll he's going to play. But if they want to give him the benefit of the doubt and wait until week eight to give him more time, then they'll probably do that. The reality is we don't really know, um, but I can tell you that, yeah, the Broncos play uh, Thursday, the 21st, uh, which is week seven, which is a pretty quick turnaround. So if he's ready by then, then I think he'll be ready. Uh, they've obviously taken their time with him, Great. but there's a possibility we, we might not see him until week eight.
1: Do we need to look into them signing John Brown at all? Like, is, that, is that a bad sign, or is that just them building depth for their I roster?
0: I thought that was a KJ Hamler response. Me too. Okay.
1: Yeah, they're sort of
0: then at
3: that point. I think that they've sort of known and stayed the course with what Jerry Judy's doing. Um, but the, 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 the target is week seven. I do think week seven is very possible. Okay. Um, not a slam dunk, but I do think that week seven is possible
1: perfect uh well that's everything that i had of the recent injuries uh jack do you have anything else you wanted to ask ed uh
2: michael thomas he's gonna be coming off the pup soon what are we looking at in terms of expectations in terms of when he'll actually be back what can you tell us about
3: slant boy (laughs) So I do know know that by the time week seven hits, it will be the well, not well beyond, but it'll be right at the end mark of the average amount of the average amount of time missed for his specific injury. So in other words, what is it,
2: by the way, if you don't mind, it's like
3: two hundred and. 38 days or something like that or not 230 i think it's 130 i listen i'm not a professional by any means i'm the worst <laughs> the worst prepared injury analyst that you'll ever meet um but i can pull it up here um essentially it's what we're looking at with michael thomas i do think it's going to take a couple of weeks to get him ramped up but the, the thing about it is you and you just said it is that, you know he's gonna he can catch slants the dude played through this injury like which is crazy and nuts. And like, he scored like a couple touchdowns doing it. So I would anticipate that he, he gets anything even close to his role. Uh, I think he'll, he can hit like 80% of what we're typically accustomed to seeing. And then by, by the time week nine, 10 hits um, I think that he's, he's going to be full in full stride and and doing what he does and hopefully catching bombs from Winston. But also you have all of the negativity that surrounded him uh, before the injury even (laughs) happened. Right, That's something that we haven't even talked about. The fact that he delayed this surgery in the first place, the fact that the Saints didn't know he delayed the surgery, he told the Saints that he did have the surgery but then didn't talk to them. Then he's had the off-field issues from last year. I mean, some people have, and rightfully so, questioned. Maybe he just says, no, I'm good. I think I'm going to wait and try to get traded next year. Or, you know, nah, I mean, I don't really know if we're going to win this division. I'm just going to chill a little bit longer. But from a medical perspective, he's going to be 128 days by week seven. And that is like the latest that you'll see based on uh, a pretty major study that looked at these injuries and these surgeries. So I don't think that medically he's behind. I think he's probably right on track. We haven't heard a lot, but we did see um, a report from Sean Payton a couple of weeks ago that said he was ahead of schedule. So medically speaking, I think he'll be ready. From a team perspective, who knows where they're at?
2: Biggest question is, is he pulling a Scotty Pittman?
3: Right, exactly. (laughs) He can go full Scotty Pittman if he wants to.
1: Right. Uh, so I do, I did actually think of another one, the the giants and the horrible situation that's going on in their wide receiver room. So you've got sure. Darius Tony was essentially the one last week because Kenny Galladay was out, Sterling Shepard was out, and then Tony himself was dealing with an injury before he did come back and then get himself ejected. So uh, are any of those guys going to be back this week, assuming Daniel Jones is able to clear the protocol, which it looks like he's on pace to do?
3: Yeah, so as long as uh, Daniel Jones doesn't have a setback, which setbacks can happen with concussions, it does. I, I do think that he's going to clear it. We know that uh, the mode for missed games after a first-time concussion in NFL players is actually zero. So more frequently they don't miss a game uh, than do miss a game. So in terms of Kadarius Tony, I know that his ankle injury was kind of vague, and he already had that ankle taped. Um, I, I don't know if you guys noticed that. So right. probably what it was is that he just has a bit of uh, – of, he probably sprained his ankles the same way that Saquon Barkley just did, which is common that happens, but he just had an aggravation of that. It's just a sort of general uh, rolled ankle and he was limited in practice today. So I wouldn't necessarily anticipate, and they did say, they came out and said that they, it wasn't a serious injury. So I would expect Kadarius Tony to go this week.
1: Okay. Uh, what about uh, Sterling Shepard? I know Galladay is out this week, right? Uh,
3: yeah. That. So Galladay hyperextended his knee. You usually miss around one or two games with these hyper knees, depending on the grade and the severity. Mm-hmm. Sterling Shepard is going to try to play. And the average amount of missed time for hamstring strains is about 1.4, so two games. And it sounds like they took their time with him. He is going to be at a higher amount of volatility if he is active. But I do think that he could come back and contribute. Uh, he was limited in practice today. So I think he, he has a good chance to play. All right. Perfect.
1: Uh, Neil, anything else?
0: Oh, absolutely. See, because this is America, and when you have a medical <laughs> professional that will answer questions for you for free in America, yeah. you never let that opportunity go by because it's so rare. <laughs> I have to put that qualifier in because yeah. some of the some of don't, the audience don't show to... them the growth, Neil.
1: Yeah. <laughs> What's
0: yeah. That? Oh, I mean, you want to take it that uncomfortable place? No, please, hold right. please pull the pants. Yeah,
3: yeah. The podcast listeners are
1: really like, <laughs> what is happening? Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. The what happened? Yeah, oh my check God. out the
1: YouTube version while yeah. you're there. Make sure you like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, we got word that yesterday, effectively, that they're really, really banking on Tua coming back. So, I'd say let's start there. And then there's a follow up question to this. They seem to believe that Tua is coming back this week. They're hoping he's going to practice and play. How do you, how do you, are you with them on that? Because has it been enough time, realistically speaking? Yeah, I do. I,
3: there um, are good studies showing that the average return to sport for these are two to four weeks. Drew Brees was sort of the, the outer extreme last year of that. Hmm. Um, I think that it sounds like Brees' injury was a lot more severe. I think at the latest, Tua will be active in week seven. But especially now that Jacoby Brissett has a hamstring I think that if Tua is throwing the ball and he's running around and he can breathe and he's doing better and his pain is controlled, then I think that he'll go
0: in week six. Okay. And then pursuant to that, this is not strictly speaking an injury question. So feel free to kick this to whoever. But with Tua coming back, is anyone excited for the idea that maybe Miles Gaskin can get back on track? Are we expecting anything to be different with Tua coming back, Dolphins related at all?
3: I think Gaskin is, Gaskin is quite, I mean, he's obviously the best back in that offense, but I mean, they have two offensive coordinators who don't seem to know what is going on. They throw a, you know, screen pass in the end zone. And I just favorite. don't, I don't know. my favorite.
0: Who throws a wide receiver screen in their own end zone? It was, I don't know it was what, what they're doing. Airing, airing
3: play yeah. Goal. It's just, word it's, for it's, it. I don't want anybody on the Dolphins offense. I'll, I'll summarize mm-hmm. it that way.
1: Yeah, I, I like that. We talked about this in our, uh, the trade show where I, I feel like when Tua's in there, Gaskin is the guy that I'm most interested in, and I feel like he's still a strong flex play because he will give you those weeks like he had last week where he'll explode and get involved in the passing game like he should, and he'll be utilized like he should and have value. But you you have to know he'll also give you those weeks where they decide that for whatever reason – Malcolm Brown needs to play 60% of the snaps <laughs> and he gets a two,
3: right? So yeah. it's,
1: it's absolutely going to happen. He is, he is the boomer bust running back at this point.
2: My hope really is that with Tua coming back, the offense is just a little bit better. He's more willing to push it downfield. Yeah. Jalen Waddle makes the entire offense score more points, more points makes miles Gaskin better.
1: Well, I think the problem too is when you're looking at this season's Dolphins compared to last season's, the the major difference has been the defense. Yep. They're chasing points a lot more than they were last year. So instead of situations where he's got positive game script and running the ball a bunch and getting those opportunities, all of a sudden he's getting like three, four, five carries a game because they're throwing the ball 50 times because they're chasing points all game.
0: Yeah, because at least last year their defense was, was average to good. <laughs> in, in, in stretches. And this year, what are they? At the 30th defense, something yeah, like that. Different. Yeah, Some they're horrible. Something right pathetic. Something very, very pathetic.
1: All right. Well, there you go, Edwin. We appreciate your time joining us again.
3: Yeah, man. It's fun. Appreciate the Talking you guys injuries
1: with us. Oh, always. Yeah. Anytime. Oh, the door anytime. is always open. I was going to say, anytime yeah. you want to come talk nonsense with us. And I'm, see Neil's growths. I literally just, only, come on over.
3: I literally <laughs> only speak nonsense. So I'm, I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> Perfect. We love
1: it.
0: We I appreciate it, guys. Where
1: uh, where
3: can the people find you? At doc? Go there. Go to fantasypoints.com, all my written stuff, and subscribe to the Injury Prone Fantasy Football Podcast, where I scream into a microphone and scream into your ears for hopefully no longer than 10, 15 minutes at a time.
1: It's good stuff. It gives you all the injury information that you need. So it is a, a must listen if you are if you are playing fantasy football. It's useful information. Uh, Jack, where can the people find you?
2: You can find me everywhere at JavanaughAB7. And you can also check us out on Friday Night Insights. We will, will be live on Friday night. Me, Jason, and Jordan at 7 o'clock Eastern. And you can also ch- catch us on the Club Nonsense podcast that comes out every Monday morning. So until then, see you next time.
1: That's right. And uh, remember, you need to take that bit. I'm telling you. take. I'm giving you that gimmick. The, cu- the, cup. Yeah, the, cup. the, cup. the cup
0: thing. You need to just, just, just run bigger. with it. It's, yeah. uh,
1: it's a perfect idea. I love it. Go with that. Neil, where can the people find
0: you? You can find me in my growths on Twitter at nonsense underscore Neil. And uh I mean, you're just gonna team me up. Yeah. Like, sure. yeah. And or more mo- most importantly, really, if you want to talk to me most readily, I'm happy to talk to you on Twitter, and I'm happy to talk to you in any in any ma- in any capacity, manner, shape, or form, yeah. capacity. Thank you. At nonsense underscore Neil. But the best way is to sign up to be a patron of ours through Patreon for one dollar. One dollar. No. You can get access to our Discord for one dollar a month, and then you can talk to frankly any of us. And to be honest, we're on there daily. So if you have trade questions, if you have you would like analytics on your team, or if you really just want to come chop it up and screw around with us uh, on the internet, which is always a blast, one dollar, one little dollar, we'll be it's happy. To to, we'll it. be happy to take you. Uh,
1: you can follow the site everywhere at NonsenseFF. You can find me at Nonsense underscore Steve. I will be back tomorrow for the halftime show Locked In with Vishal and Mason. Until then, just keep up the nonsense.
0: Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevier. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. And you can find all the guys at ImportantNonsense.com. Kaboom!